Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 23. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gift. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And may God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Our passage this morning looks at a, uh, a topic that is, I'm sure you've heard the statistics, that God deals with money more says more the bible rather says more about money than it says about heaven or hell that's because money is very central to our faith and how we respond to lack of money or riches with money has an it says something about us it either pushes us away from god or draws us closer to god for an example, in poverty, we feel as if God has failed us and we move further and further away in anger. Or in poverty, we may feel that we have no hope except Him and go to Him and ask Him to provide for our needs and continue to trust in Him. The poor are at times the most faithful. 
We see that in the, in the book of Mark, for an example. Chapter 10, where you have the widow who is, who, who is putting down this uh, coin that she has. It's all that she has. Demonstrating her faith in God to sustain her. But also, the opposite. In plenty, when we are rich, we feel as though we have it all. You can feel as though we are our own gods, as it were. We are the ones who provide for ourselves. You would find that in churches, that the, uh, the rich are in the minority. Or among those who are super rich, very few of them believe. Because they, once people make money, they have this perception that, now I have the answer to the world's problems. And everyone should listen to me because I've made money from acting or from technology and therefore I can provide solutions to all problems in life. That is why the rich uh, get paid millions of rands to give speeches, to encourage. So money can push them away from God. But we also know that there are those who have who have seen the emptiness that is found in riches and have turned to God. They are among the most generous in our churches who have decided that instead of enriching themselves, but rather to work for the glory of God, who continue to work and make millions, not to save, to provide their own security, but rather to uh, to give to those that do not have. So money has this impact on us. I'm sure money has had a similar impact on you as well. When you've struggled, when you've been without a job, when you felt the, uh, the weight of the world upon you, and you've asked yourself, where is God? I'm sure you have praised God from a sincere heart when you've received that big bonus in November or on your birthday, depending on what job you have. The challenge to us as we come to this passage this morning is to find God precious. Is to find God to be enough, whether in plenty or in need. The challenge is to believe the words of Paul in verse 19. That there are riches of God, of God's glory in Christ. See there verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. Paul says there is something found in God through Jesus. That is, it is with infinitely more than your bonus, than the money that you are able to earn from your work, than your inheritance from your parents, than the, the lottery, if any of you have ever won one, there is something in God that is with infinitely more than that. And I want to argue with you this morning in two ways. The passage can be divided into two parts. Verses 10 to 13, and then the rest from verses 14 to, to, uh, to 23. The first part there in, uh, in, in verses 10 to 13, he, Paul demonstrates to us or encourages us to trust in Christ, whatever the circumstances, to trust in Christ, 
whatever the circumstances. Verses 10 to 13. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Verses 11. It says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Verses 12, he says, I know what it is to be, uh, to be in need, and I know what it is to be plenty, I know what it is to, uh, to, to, to have much, and I know what it is to have little. How does he do this? The answer is in verse 13. He says, I can do all, all of this through him who gives strength. The source of Paul's joy is in the Lord. He begins by praising God for everything. He, he begins to praise God even though he's, he is praising God for a gift that he has received from people, the church in Philippi. But he's praising God because God is, is the one who is providing through the church. When the Philippian church sent money or gifts to him through Epaphroditus, he knows that the one who moves the hearts is God himself. He is the one who um, deserves the praise. Yes, he is grateful for the gift that, they have that, that, that he has received from them. But he knows the one who is sovereign. He does not need that which is essential for this joyful life. He already has it. He has God himself. And through him he can be content in whatever the circumstances that he is in. See there in verses 11 to 12. It says, yes, I praise God. And I'm glad that you have renewed your concern for me. But I'm not saying this because I am in need. No. I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. And literally there, the word need, we often understand it in, econ in economic terms. If you are taught at school that a need is something that you can do, you, you cannot do without. A want is something that you want, but you can actually do without it. And then you have, uh, we used to say that food is a need because you cannot do without it. Shelter is a need because you cannot do without it. But television is a want. Yes, you want to, um, it's good to have it, but there are lots of people in the world who do not have one. But literally the word here is similar in that kind of thinking because it is, it is, it is a word that it says, I am content regardless of what you have given me because what you have given me is, is, is not essential. It's important, yes. In the, beginning, in the middle of verses 11 there, I am, not, uh, I am not saying this because I am in need or literally, I am not saying this because I am in want of something essential. He already has that which is essential. It is that which gives him the ability to be content, to be okay, to continue to rejoice whether he has food or he does not have food. In poverty, he has learned 
to be joyous, to be content in it. To not to be content is to be in a state where you are not, uh, as I said earlier, angry at God, the fact that he has robbed you of this. And wanting more, desiring and, and, and craving more. To be content is to say, your will be done, Lord. This is what you have provided. I will praise you for it. That is what it means to be content. Is to continue to find joy in God despite the circumstances that you may be in. He says here yeah, that I've learned to be content in God, not in what I have. That is what he means by verse 13. The strength comes the strength to do all of this comes from God Himself. So he can praise him for the gift that he has received from the church in Philippi, but at the same time be content. And he can struggle, but at the same time be content in God. That God is enough. It is a life where one looks at the bank balance and says, Christ is better. Whether there's 50,000 rands there or minus 5 rands or minus 50 rands when the bank has taken their charges. This can only be done by the help of God, we see in verse 13. God enables us to see the world rightly. We have seen this in the book of Philippians. To see, just as Paul did, that we cannot earn our way to heaven. We have to trust in God and trust in His righteousness. To see, as we saw last week, that relational strife is a waste of time because we are going to spend an eternity together, so we strive to see, to see eye to eye together. In verses um, 1 to 5 of chapter 4. We have seen here that living for others is far better than living for yourself because of the reward that is waiting for us. Just as Christ humbled himself, became man, and now is, is, is seated at the right hand of God. The gospel enables one to, um, to see the world differently. Now, even with this provision or money, he is able to see the world differently. He is able to see that by the strength of God, he can be okay with plenty and he can be okay with a lot. That's the first thing. The second thing that you see there is that Paul encourages us to trust in Christ with our resources and put them to work. He encourages us to trust in Christ, he encourages you and I to trust in Christ with your wallet and put it to work. How does he do this? From verses 14, he says, Yet, despite all of this, yet he is, uh, he is content despite having plenty or having nothing, but he turns to them and he says, your gift is not actually, is not meaningless. In case you misunderstood what I'm saying. He turns to them and he says, verse 14, 
Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you, Philippians, know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I sent out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you. He turns to them and he says, yes, it was great of you to be concerned for me. It was great of you to send this brother, Epaphroditus, with this gift. He is not taking it for granted, despite his contentment. He says to them, not everyone can do what you have done. Not everyone actually cared enough to enable me to continue in my ministry. You, church in Philippi, have carried the burdens of the gospel together with me. Verses 14, you have shared in my troubles. You have shared in what burdens me, Paul said, I, I believe he means there. My burden is that the gospel would go out to the Gentiles. And not everyone has shared the same concern. You are the only ones, Paul says, who shared with me. When I was in Thessalonica, sharing the gospel there, you sent gifts to me more than once. They sent gifts through this guy that you've seen in the previous chapter, Epaphroditus. He says, I'm glad that you have shared in my troubles in this manner. Your gifts are not in vain, Paul says. They are they will be credited onto your account. Your sacrifice is not in vain. It is a sacrifice not to me as Paul, though I receive it. But it is a sacrifice to God himself and it is a, it is a pleasing sacrifice. Verse 18. To God. And he, this is the idea here is that even though Paul is going out and sharing the gospel, in sort of like a Greco-Roman area. Uh, the, the areas he mentioned here would be like modern-day Turkey. He, he is glad that he is not the only one who is concerned about the gospel. These people, this, this church in Philippi has, have expressed their concern for the gospel through the gifts that they have sent. He understands that not everyone has the same gifts that he does. Not everyone has the same call that he has as an apostle to the Gentiles. But everyone can participate. Everyone can share the same, can, can have the same burden. This is what um, the founder of the modern day missionary movement in the 19th century um, uh, William Carey said, uh, but in a slightly different way. So William Carey is a clergyman uh, in England. He realizes that the church is not doing enough actually for the spread of the gospel, especially in the places where uh, the nation of England was colonizing. The gospel was not a concern for them. Resources were concerned. So he goes and he, uh, he starts preaching. And his preaching, uh, is, 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 God uses him to awaken the church to the importance of mission. 
And one of the things that he said was that we are all missionaries. The illustration that he used was that we are all part of God's mission. Some of us, imagine going down a pit to rescue people. Some of us are going down. And some of us are holding the rope as others are going down. That is how he, uh, he communicated this idea of sharing in the burden of the gospel. So some of you are called to go out and to share the gospel. You have the gifts for that. And God has blessed you. But some of you may not have those gifts. Some of you are still called by God to share the burden of missions by being givers, by being generous, by letting the funds that God has blessed you with be used for his purposes. Without them, there would not be missionaries. Their, life, their lives would be difficult. So you are an important part of that. And there is reward for you, Paul says there in verses 18 and 19. Your sacrifice is not in vain. Your sacrifice is, accept is acceptable to God, a pleasing sacrifice. And God will continue to bless, verses 19. And may my God continue to meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He, Paul says, even though I do not need the money. I am grateful that you have made the sacrifice. As a matter of fact, you as believers should understand that your sacrifice for the sake of the gospel is partaking in the suffering that I am carrying for the gospel. It is sharing in my troubles. It is, it, is, it is having the same burden for the lost that has driven Paul to walk from, from, uh, from Philippi to Macedonia. But you have used your wallets. You have used your gifts for the same purposes. This is a challenge to us as believers. Often we think that the, uh, the church growth or uh, reaching peoples are uh, dependent on those who, are, who stand at the front on Sunday and preach, or uh, children's ministry is dependent on those who have the gift of teaching children, or student ministry is the burden of those who have the time, the know-how, who, who, who can still connect to students. But what you see in this passage is that the burden of the gospel should be shared by all, just as it was during Paul's time. That's just as it was exemplified by the church in Philippi. That we may not be able to go out and share the gospel as much as you would like, but your heart may, your wallet may, this is a call for us to think, am I using the resources that God has given me for the sake of the gospel? To some of you, those resources may be that you are a very personable uh, man or woman. 
that you can use your ability to make friendships to win souls for Christ. To some of you, you may think, sure, I find it really hard to share the gospel. I find it really hard to even stand in front of people and say anything about Christ. But I have some gifts. I'm able to work faithfully on my own, on my desk, and earn a decent salary. Are you using what you, what God has given you to achieve that which you cannot do with your own mouth? That is the challenge to us as a church, is that are we using our gifts, whether monetary or whether to natural gifts, for the sake of the gospel? Are we sharing the same, in the same travels as those who go out to preach the gospel? Are we letting our money work for us? Or are we just working for the money? This passage speaks to all of us. It speaks to those who have, and, and it's saying sacrifice. And it's also speaking to the one who does not have, who may be sitting this morning and thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to make that sacrifice? The challenge here is to be like Paul, who at times did not have, but still became faithful to God, was still content in the circumstances that he, that he was in, while still going out and sharing the gospel with people who do not know him, whether in poverty or in plenty. Paul is famously known for being a tent maker. That he, the, 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 his apostleship was not a means to enrich himself, but he would go to a place and, and actually work in that place in addition to sharing the gospel. He would receive gifts from churches that he, he had been to, but that was not the main concern. He was not going to do it just because he was being paid to do it. He was going to do it either way, whether he's paid or not. Do we have the same attitude as believers? Are we burdened by the gospel in the same way that with our, with our resources, we are willing to make sacrifices for it. That we use our skills, our abilities, for the sake of the gospel. Are we burdened here at Christ's one by reaching those who are around us? Or have we left it to the few? Because if we, if we don't invite friends and family, if we don't reach out to the community, very few people will actually walk through the door in this church. So this is our church, a church in which we all are called to share the burden that comes with being a member of the church. It may mean that being open to serve in an area in which you are needed. It may mean that being generous with your gifts. It may mean that being courageous and inviting people to church. It may mean that some of you, I hope more of you, 
would consider ministry full-time, giving up um, lucrative paying jobs for for a decent amount, for an amount that will enable you to be content, but it won't be, won't be reached by any measure because you care about the gospel. That is a challenge to all of us this morning. Let us pray to God and ask him um, to help us in this. Heavenly Father, indeed, as Paul said, we can do all of this through him who gives us strength. Contentment is hard, especially when you see those around us with a lot. Contentment is hard, Lord, even in when we ourselves have a lot. When we have enough that we, um, we don't need to go down on our knees in prayer because we know that the fridge is full, the pantry is full. We have roofs over our head. We have jobs to go to on Mondays. Contentment is hard, Lord, when some of us have been unemployed or had their salaries cut due to the circumstances that we found ourselves in. Contentment is hard, Lord. It stops us from being generous towards the poor who through our gifts may uh, see that God moves Christians to care and be drawn to you. Contentment is hard, Lord, when we, we feel like we never have enough, even in our own households. And therefore we struggle to give, we struggle to be generous. Lord, we have been challenged by the book of Philippians, to carry one another's burdens, to have a genuine concern for one another's welfare. I do pray, Lord, that as a church, we may take these words indeed to heart and put them into action, that those who are part of us may speak of our generosity, may speak of our genuine concern for one another. We pray and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and let us sing together our last song. <laughs>